Jenna Cavello is the self-described creatrix, founder, and educator of Agent Nature, a skincare and supplement line abundant in natural vitamins, minerals, oils, and plant extracts vetted by Jenna herself. With a focus on quality and efficacy, the line sets a new standard for beauty companies around the world. Her love and knowledge of skin care began with her own health crisis at the age of 23 when she was diagnosed with stage 4 endometriosis after a decade of intense physical suffering. Not afraid to speak her own mind, we discuss her road to healing her own body and how a deodorant she cooked up in her kitchen changed the trajectory of her life. So Jenna, before we jump into your amazing products and your story, mm -hmm. I want to talk about Sade. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Because I love Sade. And I know that she's important to you. She, yeah, that, well, you really did your research on me. I do, I do yeah. my work. Yeah. Um, well, you know, when I was like seven years old, my aunt used to blast Sade in her car, um, Sweetest Taboo. Oh, yeah. And um, I don't know if I ever like publicly said this anywhere, but I was, I moved to LA and I was like Swiffering my ex, now ex-boyfriend's uh, house and I was singing Sweetest Taboo and I went to the window and I looked at his amazing view of LA and the palm trees and I started crying because I had that view as a kid. I would listen to Sade. I grew up in Trenton, New Jersey, mm -hmm. which was a pretty rough neighborhood. Yes. And um, I would listen to Sade and I imagined myself living in Miami or Los Angeles and looking out at, at an insanely beautiful view. And then I saw that view at his house and I cried because I'm like, this is not my guy and this is not my view it's his view and it's I, his view. I need to get i need to get my my view right yeah right mm -hmm. no she's she's a gifted woman and her career has been an amazing journey to watch the reinvention of her career through the years and i think her voice her voice, her voice it's healing and yeah. there there's something very therapeutic about listening to her mm-hmm um, and my cat used to love to listen to her as well, but uh, on the weekends especially, I love to play Sade, but she plays in my car or in my house every single week. It's still, <laughs> I love her. I, lo I love music. I can't live without music. I don't watch TV, yeah. but I love Sade. What's your favorite Sade song? I love Sweetest Taboo, and I love Jezebel. I like Jezebel. Because I, I love the narrative of Jezebel, and I was, I think I was a sophomore in college when that mm -hmm. song came out. So it was like a very poignant time in my life, mm -hmm. you know? Um, there was something about that song that really, oh, Soldier of Love. That's a great one. That has a great beat. Yeah, it has a great beat. And she's just, you know, that, that video when she's in that dress, and it's kind of like a Spanish feel to it, and she's, you know, she's doing her thing. Yeah, it's, it's a, yeah. You like know, she went on tour, I want to say it was like 2011, mm -hmm. and I missed the tour, and I'm like, I'm just waiting. Like, can there be just one more tour? I think she has another album coming out soon, if I'm she reading does? things. I mean, don't quote me, I could be wrong, but mm -hmm. I think she does. But she's, yeah, she, she's gifted. Uh, she's British, right? She is. She's. I think she's British and Nigerian. I believe she's mixed. I, I it's believe. it's so 
wild because all of my favorite singers are usually my favorite bands and singers are usually aside from Madonna are usually British. <laughs> old Madonna. Old Madonna. Old, old Madonna. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with this new Madonna. Well, yeah, no one does, but we'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> or we won't. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I was really happy when I knew I was going to talk to you because I think. I think your journey is probably emblematic of many people's journey with healthcare and medicine in the world today. Mm -hmm. And what I was so surprised by in your story was that from the ages of 13 to 23, mm -hmm. you were suffering from endometriosis. Mm -hmm. And as I was reading your story, I was like, what took them so long to figure out what was happening with you? You know? Mm -hmm. And then it seems like along the way that the system kept failing you to the point where you had to go see a, a, a naturopathic doctor almost to help you heal yourself. And I, and I was wondering what that journey was like for you to make the decisions along the path that you had to make to start healing yourself. Mm. Well, I think as an American, at least, we grow up hearing our parents say, like, listen to the doctor, right? Mm. And so, and if you don't listen to the doctor, you're kind of like, scolded and you're bad and you're not doing what you're supposed to take your medicine listen to the doctor so i felt like i was listening to the doctor for those 10 years and then i uh, was never diagnosed until i actually had surgery mm. and that was when i was 23 and uh that surgeon she's had her license suspended since then not wow. from me but from someone else for i think multiple factors but uh basically she really butchered me and mm. she caused so much pain and scar tissue that the surgery was worse than than the disease itself i'm still recovering from it mm. the last 20 years since the surgery i'm still trying to do all i can to heal myself from that because uh at the time and this really wasn't any fault of her own but at the time they were operating endometriosis through laparotomy, mm. uh, which is when they give you like a C-section cut. Right. And that spread the endometriosis to the muscle of my uterus, and that's called um, adenomyosis. And so I would say for five years after the surgery, I was in really bad shape. And mm. it wasn't until I was about 28 or 29 that I found a functional doctor in LA. Her name is Julia Hunter. And I was in so much excruciating pain. I was going to the ER like for three cycles in a row. They were giving me morphine. At the time, that's what they would give you if you had pain from endo. They would think we were going to the hospital to get high, which morphine wouldn't even get people like in my position high because we were in so much pain, it would take the edge off. Now they give you um, an NSAID. Um, it's an anti-inflammatory called Toradol. Mm -hmm. But at the time, I, I was in excruciating pain, and she was the first person that said, this is caused from um, scar tissue from your surgery. This, your endometriosis isn't back. This is scar tissue. And so at that point, I kind of stopped trusting mm -hmm. uh, Western medicine and I went for an exploratory surgery 
And I kept telling them, I said, it seems like it's my right fallopian tube. And the doctor said, you don't know where your fallopian tube is. And like, that's not what it is. Your endo is back and kind of just like, you know, not listening to me and, and like shrugging her shoulders. And I wake up from the surgery and it was my fallopian tube. I had a hydrosalpinx and my tube had closed from all of the scraping from that endometriosis surgery that I had uh, like a half of a decade prior. And so after that, I just, you know, started to take a complete holistic approach to my health for the most part and combine Western when I need it, but kind of pick and choose from each person what I need and really trusting myself and my own intuition. And when something feels right or something feels off, I trust myself and I don't trust the doctor. How did your journey begin? Because when you went to the doctor, you were at what you describe as a stage four situation with the endometriosis. Mm -hmm. You have all these really difficult experiences. How did you begin to educate yourself in order to know what to do for yourself? Because as you moved into your own business, the first thing you cut out was the aluminum. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious about how you knew to do that mm -hmm. and the research you did to get yourself there. Um, well, I basically from the, for those 10 years, uh, no one would diagnose me. They would say it was just a bad period, but I would be on the floor throwing up. I'd be in the nurse's office every month when I was in high school. Um, so the way that it got to stage four was because no one had diagnosed me and I was waitressing and I had such bad pain on my side. And I was, oh, I am a workaholic, was a workaholic even then. And I would waitress like in the summer, like seven, six, seven days a week. And I had this pain on my side. And I'm like, something's wrong. And I had a CAT scan at the time. I didn't know that I should avoid the radiation and get an MRI. Right. Um, and they found a 14 centimeter chocolate cyst, which is the size of a grapefruit. And so they're like, we don't know what this is. We think it's endometriosis, but we're not sure. And then they did the surgery and that's how they diagnosed me. And then when I had met Julia Hunter, she was the one that kind of put me on that holistic path. And I started to research a lot, I would say. And I started researching a lot just on blogs. And I started reading like this blog called March Against Monsanto. It was from uh, a site. I don't know. It's something like not a non-GMO site. Mm -hmm. So and then my father, he had been in my ear since I was 16 and he had said, don't use antiperspirant because it's an endocrine disruptor. And when you hear that in the 90s, like I thought he was crazy. Yeah. And I was like, you're crazy. What am I going to do? Smell and not wear deodorant? <laughs> um, I, so I really thought he was like insane when he said that. But then I had went to another naturopath and she said, you have to cut um, the aluminum out because you have enough estradiol for like an entire block of women. I, I was so estrogen dominant. So I started researching all the ways online and through doctors of ways I could cut the estrogen. And so one of them was to avoid aluminum in antiperspirant. 
and I couldn't find a natural deodorant at the time that was effective. There were like virtually no luxury brands on the market at the time. Not that time, no. Yeah, and so there was something called pit paste that was really effective, but <laughs> it was in a jar, and I'm like, I don't know if I want to wear pit paste. I'm yeah. like, I want to make something like chic. <laughs> and so I started like cooking my own after I did ayahuasca, actually. Mm. Like two or three weeks after my first ayahuasca ceremony, I started cooking deodorant out of like the clear blue sky. I know the ayahuasca is linked to it for sure. Right. And I had no intention of selling it. I was just making it for myself. And then I gave it to friends and family and they're like, this actually works. Can you make me more? And then someone said, I think you're on to something here and you need to actually do something with this. And that's how it started. So before, before that journey into ingredients and mm -hmm. proper healthcare and, and proper taking care of your, of your body. Mm -hmm. um, what did you think your life was going to be? Exactly what it is now. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't know the path. You just didn't know the path. I just didn't know the path, but I always had the end vision. I always held on to what the end vision was, but I didn't know that cooking deodorant on the stove was going to be the path to get me there. Wow. I, are you, uh, do you believe in manifestation? A hundred percent. Yeah. 100%. What mm -hmm. we speak, we, we call into our life. I totally believe that. Mm -hmm. What we believe, we call into our life. And what we feel and see too. And you know, it's interesting about, you were saying that you knew that it was the right fallopian too, because I, I think that people know. Mm-hmm. People know what's happening in their bodies, what's happening in their spirits, what's happening in their souls. Mm -hmm. It's a matter of turning off the soundtracks that we hear mm -hmm. that say, trust your doctor, follow your doctor, yeah. make a happy plate, eat all the food on your plate. Yes. You know, those yes. those things, yes. right? Yeah, eat all the, I was on the beach last week and I heard like, eat everything on your plate. And I'm like, oh my God, that's why our portions in America are out of control because we're being told by our parents, finish your plate, eat finish everything. your plate, eat everything. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. So what's your favorite manifestation technique? I daydream. Mm. I do a lot of daydreaming. And I find that within the daydream, I start to visualize and see the thing that I want to have. Mm -hmm. um, and I've done that since I was a child. Before I knew what manifestation even was, I, I was a serious daydreamer. And to this, to this day, I still daydream. And if I have to do something that's difficult or something that is, is challenging, I will habitually now, I will daydream the whole thing to the result that I wanted it to have. Mm -hmm. So that when I walk into that situation, I've already created the circumstances under which I'm going to get the result that I want to have. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's daydreaming. What about what about for you? I think it's the same. I picture, I envision like, the situation that I want. I see it in my head, and I really feel it. Mm -hmm. I make sure that I feel like it's real and it's already mine. And I think, basically. What I think the key, what I've realized to visualization and manifestation is, is you do not focus on what's happening in the present. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if every single thing is going against what your vision is. You don't focus on it. You have tunnel vision like for that exact goal and mm -hmm. you just see that goal and you 
live accordingly as if that goal is already yours and that's how you like cut through the like the the everything that's going on all the noise around you in the present can you learn to manifest because i feel like i i feel like i naturally did that do you think you can teach someone to manifest yes i do i well I always I did it from the time I was like four, mm -hmm. listening to that Sade song. You know that's a weird thing because I would watch um, I don't know different soap operas and I would watch Dynasty and these like fabulous shows <laughs> and like I would like see like a fabulous life and like I want like that I want to be fabulous so like I just like kind of daydreamed yeah. about that like those those fabulous visions, but I do, I do think you can learn. Yeah. I think that, uh, you have to be open to, to it and you have to retrain your brain almost. It's kind of like a rewiring, but I think some of us are born maybe doing that. And maybe some of us have to have to learn, have to learn it. And I think, I think absolutely. I think it absolutely can be learned because I think even the psychedelics and the ayahuasca mm. open you up to those different realms and help you speed things up and, and manifest things mm. in your life. And I think working working here at We Care, I'm, I'm surrounded by people and healers and teachers who do that on the regular. Absolutely. So it's completely reinforced. Yeah, I mean, I think who you surround yourself with. Um, I think there's like that famous Jim Rohn quote. I don't know if I'm saying it right, but he, like basically you'll become like the five people you surround yourself with the most. That That's very, very true, mm -hmm. I believe. Or as my grandmother would say, if you lay down with dogs, you're going to get fleas. <laughs> We're just going to keep it old school. Or like, or, um, or like... Or like, what's the other one? Like, uh, birds don't hang with chickens because chickens don't fly, right? Is it that one? Yes. <laughs> I love that one. Yeah. I love that one. I or like I'm, eagles, something. Right. Yeah. Right. I'm curious to talk. So I've been in the spa industry for 20 years. Doing what? Running spas. I've worked wow. in Asia. I've worked in the Caribbean. I've worked all over the U.S., um, Mexico. What's your favorite spa in the world? Oh my goodness. Besides where I am right now? Yeah. Okay, it's a very probably unpredictable answer, but I love the peninsula in Chicago. Mm, wow. I had one of the best services that I've ever had in spa there. Um, I think the therapist's name was maybe Donald. I don't remember his name, but he was working at a meta level. And you know, I've had hundreds, probably thousands of massages, but when people intuitively touch you and understand what's happening in your body, yeah. and he was a healer. I mean, that's yeah. what I was really responding yeah. to. He mm -hmm. was a healer. And just, you know, the detail of the experience of me going to that spa and how they welcomed me and took me from here to there was just phenomenal. Um, I'd probably say my second favorite was I was in the Maldives. <laughs> And I was having, I was on the island of Digu, which if, if you've ever flown to the Maldives, it's unbelievable because you land on like a strip that's maybe the size of this room that we're in. Oh my gosh. And you get out on this little thing that you're on those planes that have the little water landing oh, gear gosh. underneath. And okay. you're put out on a thing that's maybe about this big of this room that we're sitting in. But anyway, I'm at the spa and the, the, the therapist there, they say, we're going to give you an authentic 
Ayurvedic massage. And so they lay me on a wooden table, no clothes, and this guy, because <laughs> you know, in America, we're like, I'll have my little drape and my towel. And yeah. this guy totally, I couldn't believe what happened to my body in that treatment. What happened? Just, so they, they don't work, you know, in America, we're very much Swedish, deep tissue, and it's kind of slow and all of that. Yeah. They work very quickly. They're using all of these amazing oils that are created by Ayurvedic doctors. Mm-hmm. And it's all about invigorating the body. Mm-hmm. And it's not so much about, you know, this relaxing Swedish moment. It's like they're healing your body through the service mm-hmm. and through the oils they're using. Mm-hmm. And it was incredible. I mean, I didn't know what happened to me at the end. Yeah. Because it didn't allow you to think. It didn't allow me to think. Because it was, like, happening so fast, kind of? It was happening so fast Mm -hmm. and so expertly. Like, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like it was messy. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes quick, we think, is messy. Yeah. It was incredibly thorough, incredibly detail-oriented. And it just, it made me think of a different way of how we approach wellness. Mm -hmm. And how we approach, you know, something as, what can be as mundane as a massage, right? Right. But yeah, it was, it was, it was a lovely so, I mean, I want to go there just for the massage. That sounds great. Yeah, it was amazing. And, and you know, I, and talk about healing and, and, you know, I know nature is a big part of the work that you do in making sure that there is alignment there. But when you're in a place like the Maldives where you've never seen colors like that because there's no pollution. Wow. Right? Yeah. And you have sky and the water. You have sky and water, and you look into the water, and they're like sharks. And, and you know, you can see to the very bottom. Mm-hmm. When, and you see what the impact is when you have, uh, when you have a, a, a freedom from sort of the things that encumber our world right yeah. now in terms of the environment and all of that. Um, which makes me think <laughs> about your your. And I think I agree with your view on global warming and the mm-hmm. CO2 tax that you've talked about. You have a very different perspective on this than I think people would imagine. Yeah. Um, but as I listened to you, I was like, she's onto something. Do you want to talk about that? Well, I had, um, I've, I, I saw these two blogs uh, over 10 years ago that said that we were heading towards a mini ice age mm-hmm. and that it wasn't global warming. And they used to call it global warming and saying that the earth was warming up and we were all going to burn. And suddenly <laughs> it turned to the word climate change. Yeah. But I referred back to these blogs that the earth was actually cooling and that seems to be the case, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, It really seems to be the case. But then I did a lot of research, and this has even been on the cover of Time magazine, where um, they said that they've controlled the weather uh, to control wars. So they're manipulating the weather to win wars, right? So Mm -hmm. they can, they obviously control the weather for when they feel like doing that. Mm -hmm. HARP is involved in that. And I find it just really ironic that they're trying to pass some kind of CO2 tax off to us or how France was like trying to pass off the gas tax, um, the climate change tax. And there was this huge uproar in Paris. Everybody was uh, like fighting and, you know, marching and Mm Um, they're protesting all the time in France every single week. I mean, week. I think There's this a... past week they were on strike. They're, they've been on strike. Uh, they, I, they were on strike when I was there last month, and they, my Uber had to let me out two miles from the hotel. I had three bags with me, and they had, to, I had to walk to the hotel, mm. which is just wild. But um, 
It's still the most beautiful place in the world. I mean, it's Paris. It's it's still my favorite place. But uh, basically, I just think a lot of it is like bullshit. And they are, they, they're, these politicians, they want to appease Mm. us. And they, the, the more charismatic they are, it's like a guy. The more charismatic he is, the bigger of a bullshitter he is. <laughs> and like, you, know, like, you know, when they're really charismatic, then you know you have to watch out. Yeah. And that's how, like, I mean, like, Bill Clinton, like, I mean, I, like, hear him and I feel like, oh, like, I feel like he's just, like, I remember just hearing him, like, when I was, like, a teenager and thinking, like, he's just so like amazing like you know because he's char- he has charisma yes he does and but they're lo- they're all they're awful i'm not a voter look i'm very spoken i i'm outspoken about a lot of issues i voted once for hillary in the primaries but i never voted for a president actually and then i i, vo- I did vote against gavin newsom because i cannot see Damn, Gavin But aside from that, I'm not, I'm not really a voter. Do you know why? I would feel I feel guilty electing any of them because I think they're all like so awful. But I hate that the one side is shown to be better when I feel like they are as bad and in some cases worse in day-to-day living. LA to be example and everything that's going on right now. Um, I just hate that it's, you know. That one side looks like they're, you know, martyrs and they they think that they are morally correct and they're not. And they don't and they don't act morally correct in their personal lives. They just put this act on to virtue signaling. It's so annoying. Mm -hmm. Well, we we want solutions, not rhetoric. And I think it's, you know, I think, you know, and, and I love that you speak what you've taught yourself, what you've learned, and you talk about how it's important that people research, study, educate, and learn, particularly when our education systems are kind of under assault right now, that where do people go to find the information and go to find the truth and look for what they can use to make their own informed decisions? Where do you find yourself going to do that? Well, it's changed because I feel like I have to pick and choose because no one's really telling the complete truth at this point Mm. but back then i would go to march against monsanto and this site called something like gmo something they have a great instagram page but that was kind of the start of it i love david wolf's um Mm. information on health i think it's super informative i learn a lot through him um and right now i'm learning a lot through a um, he is a compounding pharmacist in LA. His name is Nayan Patel. I just uh, met with him actually a few days ago. Mm. He was the one of the people who has been compounding glutathione IVs in LA for all the top doctors for the last 30 years. He hired the former researcher from Keck Medicine, um, mm-hmm. which is at USC. Um, as his researcher, and he's just released a transdermal glutathione spray. He holds the only patent in the world for this spray, and um, it actually gets into the red blood cells because when you take it, when you take glutathione orally, or if you 
are on the patch, it's, it's really not entering the red blood cells. If you take the IV, very little, little of it is going in the red blood cells. It's actually going to the plasma of the blood and it's staying in the water of the blood. But um, his glutathione is actually like backed by science and years of research. He patented it in 2010 or 2012. Um, and he is seeing remarkable results in his it has been putting people with type 2 diabetes in remission. Uh, he had three, um, three patients who were alcoholics who had liver disease who he completely healed. He's seeing that it's regenerating the liver in three months' time. It is someone who had massive mercury poisoning uh, was healed from this glutathione. You know, I think one way to search is to go, DuckDuckGo is a little bit better than Google. I love Mercola, by the way. Okay. I think Mercola has a vast amount of information. I like Dr. Axe. I think he has amazing information. I follow a lot of different doctors on Telegram. Mm -hmm. uh, I get a lot of my information from them. And also learning with people like this uh, compounding pharmacist and becoming friends with doctors and following, like I love Will Cole for gut health. He's who mm -hmm. I teamed up with for um, Holy Main. Um, I love, you know, just educating myself and learning as much as I can and then kind of picking and choosing what feels right. And I don't have to agree with somebody 100%. I pick and choose what I like from one doctor and then I go to the next and I kind of have a circle of doctors that I work with and I know who to get what from. So my Western functional doctor who's able to perform to uh, prescribe medication. She really thinks outside of the box. She, uh, she prescribes a lot of off-label medication and to try and figure out how to get you better. So she had put me on low-dose naltrexone, which mm. was kind of life-changing. I think it really prevented me from having a hysterectomy mm. when I was in like really awful pain. Um, but I don't love the supplements that she prescribes, but I love her IVs. And I do my research and I look at the ingredients and everything. And I don't love certain supplement brands because they sold to big corporations. And when you research the ingredients, they're insane. I have, uh, I sell the best collagen on the market that I can find, the most expensive. It's the highest quality I've personally been able to find. And I've been really close with the person who sells the collagen to me. And he teaches me a lot. He just taught me that if you look up amino acids online, there are some that retail for $12, some retail for $58. Do you know the reason? <laughs> Profit margin. <laughs> because the cheap amino acids are coming from human fingernails and hair that they're sweeping off the floor in salons and they're turning that into an amino acid mm. and then they change the name of it and you just have to google the name and keep googling the name and google the name the problem is no one wants to really do the, the research and they right? don't want to know they don't want to know yeah so i mean ignorance is definitely bliss until you get sick and then you have to do the research and i think that's what I think that my following 
especially on social media. They're really informed because a lot of them have had health issues and they feel like they've been failed by Western medicine. So they have, in a sense, become uh, smarter than their doctor on the specific ailments that they have. And you have to be, you have to research because your doctor isn't going to have all the answers on, on your one specific ailment that you have. So you have to research and you have to see as many people as possible and really educate yourself. Um, and I feel like my following does do that, but it is a certain kind of person who is doing that because they're sick or they haven't yeah. gotten better or the medication was just a temporary Band-Aid, right. which I think is why a lot of people come here to We Care. You yeah. know? Well, it's, it's, it's interesting that you say that. I, I, I spoke with a gentleman who grew up in Baltimore in one of the worst neighborhoods in Baltimore. He, he actually calls it a food desert. Um, a food desert? A food desert and why? a wellness desert because he, he grew up in the ghetto. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he would talk about how they would go to the grocery stores and there were flies on the food mm-hmm. or the, the, the vegetables were, and fruit were just so depleted mm-hmm. of any nutritional value because they were old or just, you know. And he talks about this idea that he had to find alternative solutions for himself to get healthy yeah. because he, he suffered from anxiety and things of that nature. And his doctors, you know, were taking the easy route and just prescribing him. Drugs, which he got addicted to, yeah, um, and almost lost his life. And what pulled him out was he started doing yoga mm-hmm. and started a very intentional practice around wellness and what he ate. And you know, you know, you know, in these situations, you can't let the the, the perfect be the enemy of the good. But he, I think, there are many people in that situation who find that the sort of traditional modes of health and wellness, as we think about them don't serve where they are or or it perpetuates the problem and so I, I think you're i think you're onto something in terms of this sort of educate yourself and understand what your body needs in order to, to be healthy and and understand what you're putting in your body you know i think we anyone who has a health condition that's not healed from western medicine um becomes a guinea pig in a sense and will try anything to get better, right? Yeah. Like I'll try like I'll try anything to feel better. You know, when nothing is working, you literally feel like you'll try anything. Yeah. And it's really interesting because I just saw clips. I didn't watch it, but Will Cole, my partner for Holy Maid, had Gwyneth Paltrow on his podcast and she spoke about ozone therapy, like rectal ozone therapy Mm -hmm. and the media is going insane on her if you look do you see they're saying like no Gwyneth I'm not going to try this guess what that kept my cat alive Mm. my cat died when I stopped doing the ozone therapy rectally during COVID because I couldn't bring her to the vet twice a week and she died two months later but that therapy kept her alive for two years and if these I can't even call them journalists because they don't do any independent research because they're mm-hmm. so lazy and they just follow what mainstream says and they're lazy. They're, mm. they're lazy. If, if that woman that I don't even know if it was, I don't know who the, I don't know who the journalist was, but had she just done some research or had she gone to a PubMed article mm-hmm. and Googled does 
Is there any benefit to ozone therapy? Plenty of information can come up. In Brazil, they were healing women with endometriosis through ozone therapy. And you can yeah. take ozone vaginally, rectally. You can, uh, you can ozonate olive oil um, and use it for skincare. You can put it in your water. You can put it uh, intravenously. And so, I mean, this really went wild on on in the media. If you mm -hmm. Google it, like, and the way they just trashed it and put it down without doing any independent research, I think that kind of sums up what's happening every single day with, with mainstream media. Mm -hmm. How did you, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about your line, mm -hmm. because I think it's a beautiful line. Thank you. I love your commitment to ingredients. And I know you've spoken out about how in America we don't have the best sort of regulations or regulatory no regulations. around mm -hmm. ingredient decks. And I've always said over the last 20 years, you know, people say, well, is the product natural or organic? I'm like, well, as much as the FDA lets it be, or as much as they'll let us put on the label, mm -hmm. um, your line started with the deodorant mm -hmm. and you have grown it out since then. Mm -hmm. What was that process for you? And how did you, how do you, how do you decide what you're going to do next? What is your research like? And where, where are you sourcing your ingredients from? So after the deodorant, I, um, I launched two deodorants and then I went to school in the south of France for natural cosmetics and mm -hmm. fragrances. I became very close to my teacher who uh, then became my chemist. And um, after the deodorant, I launched a face oil because that's what I was making in class. She had given me the name of a place in Paris for me to go and play with efficacious um, anti-aging actives that were backed by science, but also safe for... Uh, approved for green beauty. EcoCert approved is what I like to say. Mm -hmm. And because the EcoCert approved basically means safe for the environment, um, so eco-friendly, and mm -hmm. also safe if you're pregnant or breastfeeding. I, that's my standard that I use because I don't like to say that synthetics are all toxic or that all fragrance is bad. It really depends on what the ingredient is. And I think that Green Beauty has taken things a bit far and they've demonized everything. And I think mm -hmm. that's also an issue. It's kind of interesting what's happening in France right now because the opposite is sort of happening and it's really problematic, but I'll get into that in a second. Okay. But so um, I launched a face oil after the deodorant and I was really judged on it because my like bigger accounts in America said like you make deodorant why would we buy your face oil why didn't you stick to body like you should have sticked to body care and mm. then launched face later I'm like well I don't want to do that <laughs> I'm like I need a face oil yeah. and I'm not gonna launch things just because it's in a category because you're telling me to and I I can't sell that that doesn't feel authentic that feels generic and fake and like I'm just trying to make money and right. I made a beautiful face oil and I want to share it with everyone and so I, it took a lot of education and um, I had to just like drill it in to give uh, 
give this a try. Just give it a try and tell me what you think of it. And I just kept hammering in all the ingredients and why they were beneficial. It's still my number one seller for skincare. It took a while. It took probably three years, but it's uh, it's my best seller. And that's the holy oil. And it is, it honestly, like you feel like men love it, by the way. It's like, like my boyfriend, anyone who tries it is obsessed with the face oil. It's the cucumber. That's, that... that's not the cucumber. No, it's the, it's the, that's the cream, the that's, holy. Okay. That's what that's I'm living for cream. right now. Okay. You have to try the holy I oil. I have to do the oil next. You're going to yeah. freak out. And so people told me they were putting it on their scars. Um, and that <laughs> it was the cream on my scar literally yesterday. Oh my God. Well, put the holy oil I will, okay, on. Okay, that's my next thing. I have Where a scar here. Here? Yeah. Oh, I see it. Yeah, and so I was, you know. What's that from? I was I was in a really bad car accident about 20 years ago where I flipped my car in the desert. Oh like, my gosh. Yeah. I have an angel story that I'll tell you at some point. Do you have any pain? Um, no, but you know, I play instruments. And so after that wreck, I don't have the dexterity in my fingers that I used to have. But the pain is gone. Um, you don't have the mobility? Not like I used to have. Well, but you have to take MSM because that breaks down That'll scar break down tissue. The scar tissue. Yeah, that, that's and what the it collagen. Is. You need the collagen as yeah. well because okay. the collagen is amazing for your joints, but um, an amazing post-workout. But MSM breaks down breaks down scar yeah, tissue. Yeah, you can see it. Yeah, you that's, can see it. that's yeah. what um, that's what Julia Hunter, that was the first thing she put me on. I'm actually coming out with an MSM supplement um, next month. But basically, MSM helps to break down scar tissue from surgeries and from injuries. Yeah. So it's super important. Um, you yeah. should take it three times a day. MSM. MSM, yeah. Okay. MSM, yeah. It's a precursor to glutathione. Um, it breaks down scar tissue it helps with candida mm. it detoxes your liver it's amazing for hair skin and nails but the first thing it does is it breaks down scar tissue yeah, that's, and it's all scar tissue and i had my hand like this for like six weeks which totally uh, jacked everything up but are you doing any myofascial release i do a too? ton of, i still massage it actually yeah. i still massage on the scar which yeah. i've been doing for years but you know it's i i, I need to do the msm and, and this collagen which I know people love that, but I um, because you know, I just I, mean, I just I just did the tr a treatment this morning, the system oh, recovery, yeah. and so Luis had gotten a tool, and he had done myofascial release, like your body is covered, it looks almost like a spider web, yeah. right? And that's the fascia, and when you have any kind of injury or an accident or surgery, the fascia clumps up right and it's and that's what makes things like yeah that's what makes things like hard and tense and that's what how you lose the mobility yeah. anyway this tool he was using on my feet no one had ever done it on my feet but i do it on my body i cup myself because that loosens the fascia mm -hmm. but you need you need to do that on on the hand to break up the i will scar i would love to well. you know i would love to have it back fully yeah, but yeah so i was i was using the oil, the creme the cream on my hand because it was like I'll do I just the holy take care oil. Of it. I'm, I'm doing the oil next. Oh my god! Do we have a? Um... You got it. I have it. Okay. Okay. Oh my gosh! It feels amazing. So, uh, the helichrysum. Did yes. you ask me about my ingredients? Yes. Uh, so I buy this directly from the farmer. He's in X in Provence. 
And uh, helichrysum is incredible for scars and healing. And mm. wait, wait till you rub that in. Go ahead. Okay. Is it gonna rub it in? Okay, yeah. It's like gonna feel so good. Um, but basically, helichrysum comes from the everlasting flower. It feels so good. And um, so, can you feel it right there where you're rubbing? Yeah, I feel it. Yeah. And basically, what um, it the flower never dies. It's a yellow flower. It stays fragrant and yellow forever, forever. I went to Salvador Dali's house in Cadiz, in Spain, mm. and his house was filled with the original helichrysum he had when he was alive. That's how potent and healing uh, the properties are in it. And now I can't make that claim, right? I can't. Right. I have to be really careful with what I said. But everybody tells me how helichrysum heals their scars and wounds, which is why I created the body oil to use as a body treatment. Feels good, right? You know, it's so funny. For years, I wouldn't let anyone touch my hand. Really? Yeah. Why? Because you're right. I was, I was afraid. Yeah. I mean, the pain's gone pretty much, yeah. but I was, I was afraid. That is, that's amazing. So I, um, I source a lot of my actives. Mostly all the actives are coming from Europe. Mm-hmm. Mostly all of them. My lactic acid I get in America, but um, I'm getting mostly everything from France and Switzerland for the anti-aging actives. I, I work with one lab in particular in Switzerland who's EcoCert approved and mm. uh, has a lot of anti-aging wow. ingredients that are just very efficacious and have a lot of clinical studies behind them. Uh, I've been working with someone else who's based in the Middle East for, uh, oh my gosh, I, I, I sourced this, uh, it's called, it's a white lily bulb extract. It's coming from the Middle East. Mm-hmm. And the data and clinicals show that it acts as Botox. So you can add it to deodorant or you add it in a topical product. I put it in my new sensitive deodorant and I put it in Holy Lift, which is my lifting and firming serum. Mm -hmm. And um, it helps to freeze your muscles. It's like completely natural. And everyone's telling me that it's delaying their Botox. Wow. And so, yeah, I mean, my mom, like she, she inspires me a lot with the brand. And um, she's a really uh, harsh critic. And like, she will tell me when she likes something and when she doesn't. And she's like, She's like, it took me some getting used to. She's like, but this is this product is absolutely amazing. And yeah. so she's the one who actually formulated the holy main. And so, yeah, so a lot of the ingredients for the actives are coming from France and Switzerland. Jenna, thank you so much. Oh, thank today. you. It's been so great to thank talk to you. Thank you. I could talk to you for hours. I know. I'm like, I can keep going. <laughs> <laughs> But thank you. Thank uh, you I appreciate for, you making time. Thank you. Thank you so much.